Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person. And I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering, uh, worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 3, okay? Everybody turn to Ephesians 3 now and look at verse 20. You ought to have this uh, verse memorized, okay? It says this in verse 20, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than anything we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. That's what God's word says. God's Holy Spirit filled our brother Paul, had Paul write these words and send this letter off to this church in Ephesus. He had no clue what God's plan was behind it, that that letter would be copied and copied and copied throughout the ages. And here on this pinhole on a map called Modesto, California, right towards the end of the year, we would read it. These are God's words to us. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than anything we ask or imagine. And I wonder how many of you believe that. I wonder how many of you right now are going, you know, that's what God's word says. You know, I, I've underlined it maybe in my Bible, and you should, I have an underline in my Bible. But do I really believe that? And if you do believe it, do you live like it? The, would your, I don't know, your spouse see you living like that? Would your children see you living like that? Would your parents see you living like that? Would those around you those that you interface with, would they, would they see that about you? Would they know that about you? Well, the woman that we're going to look at really believed this. We don't know her name. I, I don't know her name. Someday we're going to meet her in heaven. But she believed this. She, she didn't have the letter that we have. She had the Old Testament that she would have read, she would have heard, and she would have seen the God in the Old Testament revealed in such a way where this was a no-brainer, that God was able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than anything we could ask or imagine. She really believed it. She's really a, a hero to me. I was thinking back over the years of 
the spiritual um, moms I've had in my life, spiritual grandmas, women who have impacted my life. I'm not standing up here right now if not for some incredibly godly women who poured into my life. Nancy Behrens, who used to be our women's ministry director here, spiritual mother or grandmother. Thank God she's not here. She moved to South Carolina. She heard me say grandmother. She'd attack me. She's probably listening. I'm going to get a text or something. The pastor of this church, uh, when I was a member here, and the youth pastor was named David Seifert. His wife, uh, Susan Seifert, was a spiritual grandmother to me. She died of, of cancer tragically years and years ago. I'm not here if not for those two gals. And then there's a whole bunch of other gals just that I've never met. They're, they're dead, but they had a huge impact on my life. In fact, this week I was thinking about a gal named Fanny Crosby. Never met her. She was blind. And she wrote over 9,000 hymns. One of them was, Blessed assurance, Jesus is I don't know the words, but I love that song. It, 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 I, I can't tell you how many times I sang it. I never met the gal, never. She's blind. But boy, did God use her to have an impact in my life as I sang many of those 9,000 hymns that uh, she, she wrote. Man, reading the story of Corey Timboom, are you kidding me? You can't read that story and not be inspired and not go, man, I want to be like her. She was incredible. And then, of course, you know, you open the Bible and there's all these great, great people, historical people, women in the Old Testament, New Testament. You just go, wow. And as I've read their stories, uh, God has used them in my life to help me get to this place. And this is one of those women and like I said, I don't even know her name. But her story is pretty, pretty amazing. Mark chapter 5. Look at verse 25. A familiar story. I can't even tell you how many times I've talked on this one. I used to go to camps and talk to kids at camps. I used, this was always one of the stories I'd tell. I love this story. Love this story. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Something was wrong with her menstrual cycle. And you gals will probably relate way more than maybe us guys might. 12 years, she's bleeding. 12. Not a few days every month. 12 years. She's bleeding. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. 
because she thought if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Get in the picture? In Israel, uh, I've been there a, a lot. The last trip I went on was a kind of a private family trip of 12 people. It was just two years ago. There's a, a new church that was there. had never been there before. It was called Magdala. It's right on the Sea of Galilee. And um, one of the things the Catholics are really good at is they can build churches. They know how to build a great church, beautiful church. They're just really great at it. And they built this church there at Magdala. And uh, the church is dedicated to women, the whole thing. And so when you walk in, the, the church is just gorgeous, just gorgeous. It's literally, you know, from here to the sound booth is the Sea of Galilee. It's all flats. It's just unbelievably beautiful. And you walk in, there's this big rotunda. You can look it up. You can Google it, Church at Magdala, and you'll see this. And there's all of these women on these pillars drawn, you know, Painted, you know, like Mary, you know, all these great women. And there they all are, and you see them. And then there's one pillar that's blank for you, or you, or you, or you, or you, or you. In other words, it's a place where you go, man, you ought to be up there. You ought to live your life in such a way, gals, that you're one of those 12 Amazing gals. Well, you, when you're in the church, you begin to, you walk down, and as you're walking down, there's this, it's, it's, it's as big as that wall right there where the, you know, the cross is in the middle with all the lights. It's as big as that. It's just huge. And you walk down, and there's this famous painting on, on the wall. And you can't help but stop and just go, Whoa. Whoa, whoa, it it is incredible. I think we have a picture of it. Do we have that picture? Put it up on on the, there, there we go. And you can see the feet of Jesus and you can see the soldier's feet or people around and then, then you see that hand, see the hand? And while I was there, I bought this, I didn't buy the frame and all this, I bought this scroll of the painting and it's called The Encounter. Once again, you can look it up. You can Google it or whatever. And I brought it back and had it all framed. And this is in my, my man cave. And I get to see this picture all the time in my man cave. Yeah. Yeah, every guy would have his cave. Okay. Every gal ought to have whatever it is you have. I don't know. Guys need a cave. I don't know why we call it a cave, but guys need a cave and gals need a a, a thing. And um, anyway, I, I get to look at this picture all the time and what we just read is, is, is that, is that picture. Let's keep reading. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowded against you, his disciples answered, and yet... You, 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 you can ask, who touched me? 
I mean, imagine Jesus walking down the road. There's people just all jammed up around him, you know, a thousand people. I don't know, I'm moving down the road. And, you know, this hand touched, and someone touched me. And the disciples are going, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And so this woman shows up in our Bibles for just a little bit. God wanted this story included. We're told in the Bible that there's a lot of things that Jesus did that aren't written in the Bible. For whatever reason, the Holy Spirit didn't have Peter, James, and John or those guys uh, remember them later on and write them down. But God wanted them to remember this story. God wanted this story put into the scriptures. He wanted that story to have an impact on your life 2,000 years later. So I put it in there. He didn't put that story in there because he needed to fill up space. He put that story in there for a reason. He wanted people throughout the generations until he came back to be able to read and learn from that story. And there's a lot in there. And in the short amount of time I have, I'm, I'm, I'm only going to scratch the surface. I, I look at this all the time. I think about this all the time because it's in this room where I study and hang out all the time. I get to see it. It's in a very prominent place in my home. And when, when guys come over, I do let girls in every now and then. <laughs> People ask about it. So I got to tell them the story. I get to talk about the story. You got to have that kind of art up in your home. People come in, see something. Hey, what is that? Oh, glad you asked. <laughs> Amazing the little things you can do to get into a spiritual conversation with people. You just, just, just think. So I'm going to make two major points, and then we're going to be done. Okay. And the first one is this. There are two important things I, I, I want to point out. Number one, I, I think the thing we learn from the story is that life will be difficult at, at times. Anybody figured that out yet? Some of you might be too young to have figured that out, but life, life's just hard, man, at times. And your troubles may not be the troubles of somebody else, but they're still troubles nonetheless. Our Lord said, hey, in this life, you will have troubles in John chapter 16. The weirdest, the craziest promise God makes to you. He promises. I, I want to make you a promise. You're one of my followers. Man, thanks for following me. I'm going to make you a promise. In this world, you're going to have troubles. 
This world's gonna beat you up at times. This world's gonna kidney punch you. This world's gonna have a lot of bad moments. You're gonna get a lump where you're not supposed to have a lump. You're gonna lose a job. Your, your stuff is going to happen. That's a promise from Jesus. And I think one of the things we learn from the story is, man, she's got troubles. And I want you to know something, that when problems and struggles come, it can really mess with your faith. There are some people who aren't in this room right now because that promise of Jesus happened. And they got mad and they got angry and they cursed God and I'm not going to church anymore and I'm not gonna pray anymore and I'm not gonna give anymore. And they're not here. Troubles can goof us up. Uh, they've goofed me up. Let me give you five things that'll really mess with you real quick. We see them in the story. When you're not in fellowship with other Christians, it can cause you to lose your faith. Look at verse 25. And a woman was there. This woman had been sick for 12 years and there wasn't one other person there to help her get to Jesus. Not one other person. Now, part of that is because in that culture, you know, if you were bleeding like that, you were considered unclean. But there had to be other, you know, unclean women. There had to be other people, you know, who, who, who could have helped her, but there isn't anybody here. Now, obviously, she was strong enough to over, overcome this in her life. But it's never a good thing to not be in fellowship with other believers. It's one of the reasons why we work so hard, Pastor Lonnie especially works so hard to get you into a home group or a growth group or a small group or whatever name you want to call it. It's one of the reasons why our men gather on Monday nights and Tuesday mornings and tables in here. It's one of the reasons why our women gather. It's one of the reasons why our youth gather. <laughs> It's because we want to get you, you know, in relationship with others. Because one of the things that'll mess with your faith is when you try to do it alone. God doesn't want you to do it alone. Solomon said, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble, right? Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Two are better than one. Man, being together is unbelievable when you have friends and people of the faith that you can come and do life with and talk with and pray with and laugh with and cry with and talk to your struggle, talk with them about the struggles that you're going through. And by the way, those of you that are married and you know the Lord, you are that triple braided cord 
It's you, your spouse, and the Lord. So, so here, here, here's the second thing. When your circumstances don't change, it can cause you to lose faith in Jesus. Look at verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for, for 12 years. Man, 12 years. <laughs> I wonder how many times she prayed in those 12 years. Her circumstances never changed. And when your circumstances don't change, it can goof up your faith, can't it? It's easy to get mad at God. It's easy to you know, stop trusting God. God, I've prayed for my husband's salvation for 12 years, you know. Man, it's been a long time. Are you not listening? God, I've, I've prayed that you'd bring a man into my life for 12 years. I'm single. I don't want to be single anymore. What's the problem? Maybe I just need to lower my standards. God, I've prayed that you deliver me of my depression for 12 years and, and nothing's happening. God, I've prayed that you would be able, you know, that me and my husband would be able to have a, a baby for 12 years. For 12 years, we want to have a baby like our neighbor or my sister or my brother or whatever and nothing's happening. God, I've prayed for... 12 years that, I don't know, you fill in the blank. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know. Probably something, maybe. Have you ever asked God why it takes him so long to answer your prayers? You ever done that? Have you ever asked God why he's making you pray so many times over an issue? issue? I want you to know I have. There are a lot of things that I just keep praying and I just keep praying and I just keep praying and I just keep going to God over. A lot. Listen, just because you've suffered with something for 12 years doesn't mean you're going to suffer for a 13th year. But you might. You might. And if you do have to suffer for a 13th year, God's word says this to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. I believe one of the reasons this story is included in the Bible is to encourage you not to give up when life gets tough. Not to give up when your circumstances don't seem to be changing. This woman's story screams, don't give up the faith. Keep the faith. Don't walk out and curse God and give up on church, you know. Don't do that. You're going to feel like that's what you want to do. I get it. I felt that way. 
When you see a story like this, you read a story like this, man, you just go, man, this, this gal just never gave up. Let me give you another, another one, n number three. When you've been disappointed over and over and over again, it can cause you to lose your faith. Look at verse 26. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She had gone to Kaiser. She had gone to Sutter. She had gone, and you pick, you pick who it is. She'd been there. Some of you can relate to this, right? I mean, you've been to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor after specialist. You've got more x-rays and MRIs and PET scans and you know what to do with. Some of you have been to counselor after counselor and still your spouse refuses to make the changes that will save your marriage. I got great news for you if this is you. You may be disappointed with the circumstances of your life. Doctors may have let you down. Counselors may have let you down. Your spouse may have let you down. Your parents may have let you down. Your kids may let you down. I may let you down. But God never will. He never will. We just sang about it right before I came up here. Well, I can guarantee you I've let many of you down. I've let my own family down. I'm a broken, sinful man, just like you. I don't do everything perfectly, I don't. Your spouse will let you down. Don't be shocked. <laughs> In Genesis chapter three, the repercussions of that impacted your spouse too. Sin has impacted your spouse. Your parents are gonna let you down. People are gonna let you down. But God never will. He never will. Let this woman be an example to you. Even though she was disappointed, she still reached out to Jesus. Nut, nut number four, when you've run out of resources, it can cause you to lose your faith in Jesus. Verse 26, and the woman was there, uh, had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. She ran out of money. Spent all her savings. She had no more resources. And I know there are some of you who can relate to this. I mean, this is a story that happened right 2,000 years ago. But it's a modern, it's happening right now in our church. This story is happening, is playing itself out in our church right now. And maybe it's you. You got nothing left. You spent all you had. You've come to the end of your resources and you feel like, God, really, can you, can you fix my problem? Some of you are not even sure you believe in him anymore. All that's happened, and you're just, man, I don't know, man. Really? This God of love. <laughs> he's more than a God of love. He is a God of love, but he's more than that. Way more than that. Look, you, you got two choices when, when you get to this place. You got two. One is you blow God off. 
I'm done. And I, I, Lonnie and I, we, we could probably write, a, unfortunately, a large book on people that we know who've just left. Walked away from the Lord. All these things. Ran, I'm done. And they walk away. You can do that. You, you actually can make that decision. God has given you the ability to make that choice. And some of you will. Or the second choice is you can choose to believe what the Bible says. And that is that God hasn't forsaken you. He knows about what's going on in your life and he cares deeply about it. And somehow, some way, he's using it in your life. My wife uh, takes up hobbies all the time. She'll, she'll watch a, a YouTube thing and go, I'm, I'm gonna do that. It, it, unbelievable. She's so talented. So she saw this little thing, you know, where you, you put, so you put a, you know, what is it called? Thread. And, and you, you create like a picture. She made a picture of our dogs. And I'm looking at that thing going, that's unbelievable. What's that called? Macrame? No, uh, whatever. I can't, I can't hear you. I can't, I can't hear you when you're standing right next to me. I can't hear her. Anyway, I'm looking at this thing going, man, that's crazy. That looks like our dogs. And it's just the outline. This thing, she's been working the whole thing. It's got it all tight. And then you turn the thing over and it's like, What? It's all weird, and there's knots, and you, you can't see anything, and, 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 and you turn it back over, and you go, whoa, that's beautiful. In fact, I'm going to bring that tomorrow as an illustration. I just thought of it. It just came to my brain. I can show it to you. I don't have it. Should have came tomorrow, and you'll be able to see it. And you know what? That, that's kind of like life for us. Sometimes all we see is the back end of that. Yeah, this is crazy. This doesn't work. Why is my life? This doesn't make any sense. It doesn't look like it. But you, boom, God sees the other side. God's looking at the other side the whole time. He knows what's happening on the backside. He knows all that. But he's creating something incredible in your life through it all. You just don't know it. You're looking at the wrong side. So those are your two choices. I don't know. Maybe there's a third choice. I, I don't know. But I know one of them is you blow God off, walk out of here, and go do whatever it is you're going to do with your life. Or you go, you know what? This stinks. Jesus promised we're going to have troubles. And I'm going to let this gal be an example to me. And I'm going to believe and trust that God's up to something that I can't see. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going that direction. And number five, when your situation gets worse and worse and worse, instead of getting better, it can cause you to lose your faith. Look at verse 26. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. And yet, she's, instead of getting better, she just grew worse. She's getting worse. I mean, you want to talk about a bummer. The story of this woman is kind of depressing when you think about it. Man, 12 years. 12 years. And she's getting worse. Wow. This is huge. 
Listen, when you go to God in prayer and you ask him for his help, God, I need your help. Lord, help me. You know, and you get worse. Man, that'll make you walk away from the Lord, won't it? Listen, don't give up because things get worse. Don't give up when it feels like things are going downhill. It's easy to, I don't know, get pessimistic about life, right? This woman was a total hero to me, as I said. She, she had so many things going against her. I mean, just, it's unbelievable the things that were going against her, and yet she overcame them all, and because she overcame them all, she was changed forever. At any point, she could have just said, I'm done, and walked away. She could have walked away at any moment and never touched the hem of his garment. Could have. Could have bled for another 13, another year, 13 years, 14 years, 15 years, I don't know, 18 years, I don't know how long. Could have. But she didn't. She overcame all of this. So we learned that life can be very difficult at times. And uh, number two, or the second thing we learned from this woman is we, we learned that you actually uh, have to take a step of faith if you want to deepen your faith. There's something you actually have to do. Look at verse um, 27. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes... I'll be healed. And this woman did three things. Okay? She heard about Jesus. She thought about Jesus. And then she reached out for Jesus. This is where she demonstrated her trust, her faith in God. She took action. She took a step of faith. This woman was, was all alone. She had been Sick for 12 years. She was getting worse, not better. She had run out of resources. She had been disappointed by a bunch of doctors. And yet when Jesus comes to town, she fought a crowd of people believing that if she just touched the hem of his garment, that she'd be healed. This woman took a step of faith. And in that moment, that's what changed her. It wasn't enough that she thought about him, meditated about him, wasn't enough. God so ordained this thing that, yeah, you can think about me all day long if you want. You can meditate about me all day long if you want. You can ponder me all day long if you want. But if you want your life to change, then it's gonna take some action. You gotta take a step of faith. Faith doesn't become faith until you act on it. Think about it. If the woman in our story had never fought the crowd and stepped forward and reached out in faith, believing that Jesus was gonna heal her, Jesus would have walked right by her 
And all she would have had were nice little thoughts about Jesus. Look, look, I say this all the time. Coming here on a Saturday night or coming to church on a Sunday morning is easy. You blow an hour and 15 minutes of your life. It's easy to listen to truth. It's easy. You can sit around and listen to all your podcasts all day long from your favorite preachers, and that's easy. Listening to truth is easy. It was easy for people to sit on that, you know, mountainside and hear Jesus preach the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And by the way, I said this in series last week, it is far better that you live today than back in biblical days. Far better. I know we get all enamored with the chosen and the passion of the Christ and all of that, and so do I. Because we go, oh man, look, we can see him. Oh man, I wish I would have lived back then. No, I want you to know something. I could make a great argument that it is way better that you live today than, than back in biblical days. Because if you lived back in biblical days, you wouldn't have been able to see Jesus turn the water into wine. You wouldn't have gone up on the Mount of Transfiguration. If you would have been sitting on the shore that day listening to Jesus preach with 15,000 other people, if you're in the back row, this is what you would have heard. People have been crying. People have been bumping into you. You know who heard it? The people in the front row. You think 15,000 people actually heard that whole thing with all the children and people running around? If you were in the back row, you didn't hear anything. But God made sure through the Holy Spirit that men would hear it and men would come and then write that sermon down so that you could hear it. Way better to be alive today because we have this. We know things about Jesus that the people in Jesus' day just would have never known because you couldn't be with him 24-7. We get to see all the stories. We get to see all, hear all the stuff. We get to see all the miracles. We get the inside scoop, if you will. Easy to sit around and hear truth. I always tell you, the hard part is we're gonna end here in about two minutes. Can't remember what we're supposed to do at the end of this thing, but uh, so who's ever out there? I think Lisa's coming up. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, right, Lisa. Yeah, you're coming up, right? Yeah, okay. That's what happens. You get old. You can't remember things. I don't remember. I don't know. What am I preaching on? I don't know. Oh, yeah, the woman. I need to start bringing pictures out here so I go. Oh yeah, flannel graph. Remember those? Oh yeah, that's what I'm. Here's the hard part: is you get up out of these chairs and you go out to your car and go, okay, what do I do with this? If you do nothing with it, you heard a nice little sermon. Yeah. Wasn't that a nice sermon? That was a nice sermon after Thanksgiving meal. Your life never changes. And that's what I think most American Christians do. Wow, that was nice. Wasn't that lovely? Yeah, it was lovely. And you walk out. You listen to a podcast. Oh, man, I heard Dr. Jeremiah. Man, wasn't that a lovely message? Yeah, it really was. You think they're so good, you send them to me. Hey, you need to listen to this. Maybe you're trying to tell me, you need to preach like this guy. I, I'm not Dr. Jeremiah. I can't preach like him. I don't want to preach like him. I want to preach like me. That's all. But you keep sending me the sermons. 
I mean, not, not only him, you send me dead guys. I, Jay Vernon McGee, I get, you send them to me. I, I love Jay Vernon McGee. Hope my sermons when I'm dead are out there floating around, people still listening to them. <laughs> Listen, family, the greatest thing the greatest thing is, listen, just listen. This is gonna sound crazy. I've thought about this a lot. The greatest thing about this story isn't that she was healed. She's dead. You know she died. Something else took her. The thing that's beautiful about the story is not she was healed. The beautiful thing about the story is she took a step. She did it. She did it. Impressive. I'm talking impressive. That she took a step of faith. God did reward her. God doesn't always do that. But God rewarded her in such a way that she's remembered throughout. I mean, the Bible's going to be in heaven, so forever we're going to have this story. So as I wrap this up, Hope has a name. Her hope was Jesus. That was her hope. Hope has a name. I love the title of our Christmas series. When that little baby's born in, in, in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago and was given the name Jesus, that, that's our hope. And it could be when you bring a friend, you know, or someone you work with or your actual neighbor here on one of the weekends, it could be like the woman. It could be that's the weekend your friend, your family member, your actual neighbor actually reaches up and grabs the hem of Jesus' garment and his life will be changed forever. Could be. I've, over the years, I can't, I, I, I wouldn't be able to count how many people I've brought to our Christmas things. Couldn't count. Uh, thousands, I mean, I don't know, Wani's brought thousands of people here over the years, decades that we've been here. I used to bring my dad, my dad would never come to church. Never. Wouldn't come to church. Hated church. Hated church. But he'd come to our Christmas musical. There was a time when we used to, you know, have tables out here and you might buy a table and, and my dad had a business and he, he'd invite all the employees and he was out there evangelizing. He was doing more evangelistic stuff than most Christians were and he wasn't even a Christian. He'd invite clients and people to come because it was so majestic, the music and all the stuff. And he'd come and, you know, our preacher would get up and preach and I'd pray, oh God, please, man, may this touch my dad's life and nothing. He'd get up and leave and, you know, <laughs> next Christmas he'd be here with another table and, this went on for, man, I don't know how long. Can't even tell you. Decades. Prayed, 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 man. It was one Saturday night. I was sitting right down there, and I've told you the story. And my wife says, hey, look back there. And right back there, my dad was coming in. We had just started Saturday night. He had his walker and you know, made his way up here. He brought this Oakland A's uh, thing that you, see, you, know, you sit in, you know, <laughs> like you go to an A's game. <laughs> sat right in the front row. 
Hated the music, just hated it. Just, oh, it's loud. He didn't hear a word. It was just hated it. He didn't care about that. He came to hear his son preach. When I'd get done preaching, he'd stand up right there. And he'd yell at the top of his lungs, that was a hell of a sermon! That was a hell of a sermon! Serious, old Navy guy, you know. Walk out. I don't know what happened. I guess it was his way of praising the Lord. He finally came to faith, and I have in my office three pictures. One, he's standing in a pool. It's at Daryl Cummings' house, our old worship pastor. The next picture is under the water, and the next picture is coming up out of the water. There came a moment when he touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And it was all because we had this Christmas thing, and I'd say, hey, Dad, the Christmas thing's coming up. But by the time of the end of it, all I had to do, he knew, because I had invited him so many times, he loved it. He just knew, okay, give me a table. I'm bringing people. And he'd show up, and I know God used all those great songs and preaching. I know it. Your friend may come and give his life to Christ. Maybe they won't. Maybe it'll be 12 years you're gonna pray for him. Don't give up. Because who knows what might happen. And it all starts next weekend. So make sure you're ready to go with your friend, praying and inviting them. And as I said, Gary's gonna be out at the information center where you can pick up these really nice ones that you can mail out, hand to your friend or whatever. Somebody's gonna be out there. Gary, you gonna be out there? Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of these things. Pick some up, okay? And uh, let's be praying that next weekend is really a, a great, great uh, time. Okay, let me pray. Father, thanks. Appreciate how you've been at work here in the life of our family. You're at work in series, man. I had a great time preaching out there last weekend, Lord. That was fantastic. Lord, I know you're working in the lives of those that are watching online and uh, Father, may the, the, the story of this woman somehow motivate us in, in, in just the right ways, Lord. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said.